0: I'm Kerry Martin, and this is the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Wednesday, August 28th of 2019.
1: Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Now, here's
0: the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. The U.S. cattle industry is excited about the new trade deal worked out between the U.S. and Japan. Kent Bacchus is the Director of Trade and Market Access for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. He says the devil is in the details, but he's still excited about the announcement.
2: I think the big thing that we're looking for here is that this is an agreement in principle, and so it essentially sets the stage our negotiators to meet for the next few weeks to iron out some of the details. But I think the overall goal is to try to have a formal announcement sometime later next month, hopefully around the time of the UN General Assembly meeting. And I think that is certainly sending a strong message to our producers. It's sending a strong message to the rest of the world that the U.S. is open for business and that we are good trade partners and that we want to see expanded access for U.S. beef and other commodities all over the world.
0: Bacchus says Japan is the biggest export market for American beef, and this agreement holds a lot of promise for the future. Cool weather is expected to continue hindering development of the nation's soybean and corn crops. Stephanie Ho has more from Washington.
3: USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says a cool air mass from Canada is spreading into the Great Plains and Midwest that cool air will tend to overspread
0: much of the central and eastern United States over the next several days. So we are looking at near or below normal temperatures for regions like the Midwest and the Northeast for the foreseeable future.
3: He says this is in sharp contrast to a late season heat wave in the interior western part of the country.
0: One of the biggest concerns with that cool air across the Midwest is that corn and soybeans are developing so slowly and so late this year. We'd like to see some late summer heat. That is not going to happen. For example, the amount of soybeans setting pods at this point in the season, which is 79 percent by August 25th, that is a modern day record, breaks a record that was set back in the 1990s.
3: Meanwhile, he says corn crop development also is proceeding at a very slow pace. This is Stephanie Ho for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. New data
0: shows that 2019 growth in the H-2A program is slowing. Michael Clements has more.
2: U.S. farmers and ranchers still need record numbers of guest workers, even though the number of position requests increased just 2% this year, compared to a 29% increase in 2018, according to data from the Labor Department. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Veronica Nye says there are two potential causes.
3: One is that we've reached maturity on the number of foreign employees that we think we need for predominantly picking fruits and vegetables in the United States, or as we kind of look at the data this seems more likely that the slowdown is because there's been challenges in the production in fruits and vegetables in a few states across the U.S., which has really pulled that growth potential down.
2: Georgia farmers are the top users of the H-2A program. However, Nye says weather has impacted agricultural production and its labor needs in the state.
3: We all know that Georgia has had a challenging last 12 months or so with pretty significant hurricane having an impact in that state. And so when we looked at the data that just came out, we do in fact see a dip in the number of positions requested by that state. I think that's a good example of the type of production challenges that we're talking about and what we're thinking is going on in a number of states.
2: Nice says the data over the next few years will confirm what's behind the slow H-2A program growth rate in 2019.
3: Is it what we think? Is it just that we've had a rough production year and that's slowed the growth in the program? Or indeed, have we reached maturity on the program? And we won't know that until we've seen a few more years of data. Right now, we're just kind of have to sit and wait, which is usually the hardest part.
2: More on this analysis can be found at fb.org slash market intel. Michael Clements, Washington.
0: Row rice is gaining in popularity in Louisiana. Morehouse Parish rice farmer Jason Waller is growing roe rice on his farm and says he's definitely seeing the economic benefit of it. There was um, a 26 percent water savings on the row rice versus the paddy rice. It's really become a money saver for us and that's really why we're doing it. You know, farmers really look for different different ways to save money and and also uh conservation's a big part. So we're conserving water where uh, we're we're really it's it's really good practice. LSU Ag Center agent Dennis Burns says row rice gives farmers another option.
4: But it's a good alternative crop. Now, it's not going to replace Patty rice, regular rice, is not going to replace that. It's just going to be an alternative for us. It rotates well on our heavier clays that are irrigated. Works really well. Uh, you have to rotate it because of weed, weed problems.
0: Byrne says row rice farming started several years ago in Missouri and Arkansas. That's a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. And don't forget to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.com. We update that site every weekday with the latest news and happenings in Louisiana agriculture. While you're there, subscribe to our daily e-newsletter. It's called The Daily Voice. Right there on the home page of the website, you'll see a button. Click that button and fill out your name and email address, and we'll send you The Daily Voice to your inbox every weekday morning at 5 a.m. Now let's look at the markets on The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. The corn and soybean markets both moved higher today Jack Scoville is with the price futures group on the trading floor in Chicago I think a lot of the selling we've been seeing over the last few days has been a lot of corn uh, that was on delayed price and getting fixed and I think part of the part of what the rallied today is a lot of that's done uh, the volume's obviously been increasing it's been a nice volume day um, a lot of, a lot of people kind of wondering what the heck's going on. There really hasn't been
4: any specific news story out there to tell people what's going on to give people a reason to buy, but you know the market's short. Uh, I talked about the pricing. Uh, they're they're trying to get some type of a all thing together for the producers out
0: there after the big uh, big blowback that they got after the waiver decision a week or two ago. And uh, you know next week we'll be coming back at September, and we're going to be talking crop report. And given the pro farmer tour, people are gonna expect less. September soybeans up six and a half, closing at eight fifty two and three quarters. New crop November beans up six and a half, eight sixty-five and three quarters. September corn up five and three quarters, three sixty-two and three quarters. December corn up four and three quarters, three seventy-one. September wheat down one and a half, four seventy-two and a quarter. We saw a nice jump in the rough rice market today. Mark Tall is a rice marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association.
1: Well, the futures market is definitely higher today after the seven-cent loss on Tuesday. This market did take a breather on Tuesday. However, we're experiencing a run-up today and did hit some heavy oversold levels recently. This market was bound to catch a second
0: wind sooner or later, and we are experiencing lower fuel yields this season, some more than others. However, uh, more harvesting needs to be done before a final count, on actual yields can be determined. The first half of the season has uh, been really disappointing for many farmers. The long grain cash market is basically unchanged for now, 11.11 per 100 based on the 62 over 70. We're approximately 55 to 60% harvested and hoping yields can improve on the later harvested rice. Once we hit about 80% of the harvested area, then we'll have a better handle on field yields. September rice jumped 18.5 cents today, closing at 11.33 and a half. November rice up 19 cents, 11.64 and a half. November sugar up five points, closing at 25.80 cents. Now with a look at the cotton market, here's Don Molino.
4: Cotton futures at New York slightly higher than most contracts on Wednesday. The seven-day weather outlook shows minimal rainfall total for most of Texas all the way to Mississippi, but the southeast is expected to receive some rainfall. Tropical storm Dorian is projected to hit Florida by Sunday, but the path could change as it crosses Puerto Rico or the Dominican Republic. The cotton a index down 100 points on August 27 at 69.30 a pound. The weekly average world price is 52.57 a pound, and it'll be updated this afternoon. At New York Wednesday afternoon, October cotton 58.03 up 49. New crop December fifty eight seventy up seventy eight, March cotton finished the day at fifty nine forty two up sixty nine, the spot market price for North and South Delta both wrapped up at fifty six thirty five up one thirty one. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We saw a few live sales in the Fed cattle
0: market reported up north one oh eight to one oh nine on a live basis one seventy two on the rail. Weaker futures and the expiration of the August live cattle contract are encouraging packers to wait to secure cattle until later in the week. We had a small volume of cash cattle sales last week, that leaves the packers needing to add inventory. Show lists are returning to more manageable sizes matching like purchases in the cash markets. On the futures market, we saw lower prices, October live cattle down fifty seven cents, ninety nine twenty. September feeder cattle down 92 cents at 132.85. October feeder cattle down 87, closing at 131.62. Growing peanuts in Louisiana. It's not a crop you see very often, but we do have a few growers trying peanuts for the first time this year in Northeast Louisiana. We'll head up to Madison and East Carroll parishes to visit with R.L. Frazier. He's an LSU Ag Center agent there. He's working with several farmers who are growing peanuts for the first time. R.L. Frazier is next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace
1: Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana farmers and ranchers dedicate their lives to producing the food we eat and the clothes we wear. Agriculture touches all of us every time we sit down at the table. So support Louisiana agriculture by joining Farm Bureau. And you don't have to be a farmer to join. If you're already a member, we thank you. Your membership supports farmers and ranchers right here in your local community. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture.
0: The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Podcast. Our guest today is R.L. Frazier. R.L. is an LSU Ag Center agent in Madison and East Carroll Parishes. RL, how are things going up in your corner of northeast Louisiana today?
1: Hey, we got a little overcast skies, but you know, harvest is in full swing. You know, they're they're running right now, trying to get, get this corn crop in. Uh having little afternoon showers that kind of slow us down, but uh, getting to see a few beans that's been sprayed, getting ready to be harvested, and actually up in East Carroll, a few fields of of beans that have been harvested, and I see cotton opening up everywhere, so it's moving right on along.
0: It is definitely a busy time of year, R.L. You mentioned corn harvest. What kind of results are growers seeing up there in Madison and East Carroll parishes so far?
1: Uh, yields are are mixed. They're all over the board. I've heard some as low as ninety bushels on some ground that just stayed flooded, uh, and or, or and are some that just burnt up. You know that didn't get get the water on them. Uh, and I've heard as high as two fifty, two sixty, in some really good good areas. But those are very limited. Most of what I'm hearing is in that. Oh, hundred eighty 180 to 200 range, which we're considering that a blessing considering the year we had starting off, uh, we didn't think we would get, you know, to those higher numbers.
0: Well, R.L., with you working in parishes right there along the Mississippi River, I know y'all have had all kind of trouble with water this year. Exactly how bad... Has the problem been with water, with seep water, backwater flooding, all of that? I know it's been a real problem this year.
1: Correct. Uh, it, it's it's unprecedented. Uh, Dennis Burns, the agent in uh, Tinsall Parish, and he covers Tinsall, Catahoula, Concordia. I pick up at Tinsall and go to the Arkansas line, you know, through East Carroll. And we were all affected by seep water, you know, backwater prevented planting acreage and Dennis and I sat down trying to come up with what we could. Our first figure we had somewhere in excess of fifty thousand acres that was prevented planting. We've revised that. It's probably and I nothing I can we can stand on other than just visual observation. Probably somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty to a hundred thousand acres didn't get planted up and down the Mississippi River this year. Either from seed water or just Backwater flooding, you know, stuff, primarily seat water. Uh, I've talked with lots of farmers up and down, especially up and down Highway 65. Uh, we normally consider seat water on the east side of Highway 65 to the river. This year, there was a few spots, you know, in the past we've seen it on the west side of 65. There's folks that are telling me that I'm talking older gentlemen that's been around 70, 80 years. They're seeing seat water in places they've never seen it before. It's very unprecedented.
0: R.L., I will tell you that I am a regular listener to your podcast. You and Dennis well, thank and, you. Uh, and uh, Kylie, uh, all y'all put out the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. Uh, every week, and uh, I listen to it every week. You you guys always have a lot of great information in there. One of the things that I've really been following as I've listened to your podcast all summer long is your adventures with peanuts. (laughs) I know you guys have uh, you've got some farmers up there that have put some peanuts in, and uh, you've talked about those all summer long. Tell me about that. Uh, That seems to have been quite an adventure for you this summer.
1: Uh, Yes, sir. A new adventure for all of us involved uh have never fooled with peanuts other than as a kid, you know, daddy made us grow a few in the garden. But this is altogether different. We've got approximately four hundred acres between three producers uh in East Carroll and Madison Parish and they're they kinda went together and bought the harvesting equipment to do this with. They're they're either Ken or very good friends, so it's working well and it's been a big learning experience. Uh from planning all the way through the disease controls, had a lot of good help from uh, Dr. Boyd Padgett, uh, our pathologist, and Dr. Daniel Stevens, our weed scientist. We were fortunate that, that Daniel actually grew up on a peanut farm. His father still grows peanuts in Alabama. And then, of course, Dr. Boyd Paget, in his early career, was a peanut pathologist in Georgia. So we had Two real good sources to draw on to help us with this. Uh, So it's been interesting and the peanuts look great. Of course, you never know what you have until you get them harvested.
0: What, uh, I guess, would be one of the biggest surprises that you learned working with these peanut growers this year?
1: I reckon uh, some new type diseases, you know, especially with the wet weather we had. We had some white mold come in you know, we're just trying to learn what that is. We, you know, we We've never dealt with that in, in beans and, and corn and cotton. And then I reckon the other thing, the, the the field agronomists with this co-op that they're working through with these peanuts out of Arkansas, when we got ready to start irrigating, told us to be, you know, careful. We had to have enough water, but we could very easily get too much water on I them and cause them to go to vines and not make peanuts. So, you know, trying to figure all this out. And deer love them, and the deer love them.
0: (laughs) Oh, do they? (laughs) Even more so than beans and corn?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I actually seen an old doe standing there eating peanut vines, and the uh, propane cannons they put out, she was right beside it. When it went off, she raised her head up and went right back to eating
0: When uh, when's the harvest season for peanuts? When when will they actually go in and dig those things up?
1: Uh, anticipating uh, sometime the first of September. Uh, Mr. Gordon called last week. The guy out of Arkansas is coming down. We're going to. He told me he'd be down one day. The first week in September, they would do some checking. Well, I think what they call it is pod blastings, and I don't really know a lot about it yet. Uh, that they actually go in there, take some peanuts, take a pressure washer to them somehow or another, and it takes kind of that outer part of that peanut hull off, and it's something to do with a change of color. The best I can describe it, I reckon it's kind of like looking for black layer in corn. and you see that certain color, you know they physiologically mature, and it's time to start digging, so... He's going to do that the 1st of September, so I would say probably the second week in September, if he finds what he thinks he's going to find, we'll start digging.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, R.L., we'll check back with you in about a month then. I want to hear how that harvest went on those. R.L. Frazier, he is an LSU Ag Center agent in Madison and East Carroll Parishes. He also is a co-host on the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. I highly recommend that you check that out. Anywhere that you listen to podcasts, it's a great podcast that he and Dennis and Kylie put on. Thanks so much for giving us that information on those peanuts, R.L.
1: Hey, anytime, Kerry. We may may, may call you one day to come be on our podcast.
0: Well, I would definitely be glad to do that. Well, that wraps up our podcast for today. We'll see you tomorrow. But in the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. Be sure to find us, like our page, follow us. And we'll keep you up to date on everything happening in Louisiana agriculture. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org. And... LAFarmBureau.org